Hello and welcome to the Comic Crush. Uh, this is the Scarlet Watch, Bewitched by One Division. This is episode three of the show. Uh, welcome. If anyone's watching us right now, hello. If not, you'll be able to catch us later on YouTube. Don't worry, the uh, video will be there forever, hopefully. Um, I'm Paul and here's Liz. Hi, Liz. Hello. Um, thanks for coming back again to talk about One Division. Um, we're now on episode four of the show. We started to get some answers this week. Um, they're not really the answers I expected, but I think probably some of the answers that you ex you expected. Um, but we, we've got so much to talk about. There's so many returning cast members. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of kind of intrigue added to this week. Um, we're starting to get some behind-the-scenes answers of what might be going on. Um, so we're going to talk about some of that in the show, and then right at the end of the show, we're going to discuss another new program just briefly, which is uh, Resident Alien, which is started on Sky, I believe, um, and Sci-Fi On Demand in the US. Um, so hopefully some of you have seen that and read the comic. Uh, we're going to talk about that right at the end of this show. Um, but Liz, moving on to One Division, what an episode this week. Yeah, um, my God. Uh, yeah, not, not what I was expecting, I have to say. Um, obviously, uh, last week's preview sort of teased another, you know, another time jump, another, like, you know, episode set in the 1980s. That's not what we got at all. No. And, uh, in fact, I was expecting us to, to keep going until we hit at least the early 2000s kind of style of comedy. Um, but, uh, you know, Marvel, being who Marvel is, kind of know when to pull the rug out from under you and give you the complete opposite of what you're expecting. And that's what that's what we got this week. You yeah. Know, just an amazing, amazing episode right from the get-go. Uh, we were back in the blip, which was the return uh, of everyone who had died in the snap um, during Infinity War. So now we were back in sort of endgame period, which does give us a kind of time frame for the show, really, interestingly enough. Uh, because, as you remember, I speculated incorrectly, as always. I speculated that uh, we might be in a different time period than we'd experienced before, and there was all the possibility that we were kind of between, say, Civil War and Infinity War. Um, but that's turned out not to be the case. I See, I always had the feeling that this was set post-Blip, but I didn't right. realise it was set almost immediately post blip like technically where we pick up with monica is three weeks after the blip happened mm. um you know first we see her uh actually you know come back from the blip which was such a cool moment it's like the you know the first thing you see in the episode and for a minute it tripped me out because obviously monica has those powers um you know where she kind of can turn into energy and everything and i thought oh, okay is this just her being photon um, but then you see it happening all over the hospital and you see people coming together in the halls and it all, you know, basically happening at once. And it's like, mm. oh, okay, that's not what was happening. Like, uh, this is, this is that moment. And seeing it from another's perspective was really cool. Like, you know, I, you know, cause I, I, you know, obviously I spent years geeking out over the blip in between infinity war and Endgame, and like, oh, where is everybody? And, you know, how are mm. they going to come back? And, you know, so, uh. So seeing everybody come back from that, you know, from Monica's perspective was super cool. 
And it's always really interesting to find out, you know, which characters were blipped, which weren't, and how their lives were affected by it. So Monica's mm -hmm. was affected by, for one thing, the death of her mother during that five-year yeah. period. Um, so we never really get to say a proper goodbye to Maria Rambo, but, you know, obviously her legacy lives on um, with S.W.O.R.D. and with Monica. Um, and also, you know, how it affected her job. She, you know, she was a high-ranking, if not sort of meant set to be head of S.W.O.R.D. And instead, mm. she's obviously had to be replaced because she wasn't around. So, uh, so it's affected her life in a big way. And, you know, this is us picking up with her after that. Yeah. And that, like, it was fascinating to see that actually to kind of see the blip and see that it was just kind of a reversal of the snap. Um, cause we, we've really only seen the after effects of the blip and we've heard it talked about obviously in Spider-Man, uh, far from home. Yeah. Um, but we hadn't actually seen it. And of course, the one thing that you did get was that, that fantastic sense of panic because people were just popping up in the out nowhere. And, and the hospital were like, we don't have room for this. <laughs> it's, I, I love that. Um, and, and effects wise, it was amazing. Like it just looked fantastic. And I, I just, I really enjoyed that moment. And, and it's great because it, again, it, it shows what wonder vision and the Marvel television stuff can do it by and large, which is one of the things that, kind of always troubled me with the MCU is that it can fill in the gaps and you right. can start to get a, a better idea of, of what's happening and how the relationships build and, and fall apart in between the movies. So it was great to see. Um, and it then also starts to put uh, Monica Rambeau in as a character in her own right, rather than just someone who's there to serve the narrative, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, um, um, yeah, you get you get to know her as Monica, whereas previously, you know, I mean, we obviously met her as a little girl in Captain Marvel, but that's that's a whole different thing, you know. Now we've we're meeting her as like you know the sort of competent, capable woman that she is hmm. in the comics. Although, um, from what I can see so far, it doesn't really seem like she has powers, or maybe she does. We don't really know yet. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't know when, as far as I know, that there hasn't been an indication when Captain Marvel 2 is going to be set. So we don't know if we're going to get a sort of direct sequel to the first Captain Marvel film um, with uh, Danvers returning to Earth and uh, Maria very much being part of the, the kind of action there, or if it's it's kind of going to go some other way. And, and it's again, post blip, post end game. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think so. Uh, I mean, that movie isn't coming out until what, 2022. So I think that they're going to, there's yeah, going to be a big passage yeah, of time. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be set much further down the road. Mm, okay. So, yeah, I mean, great to see uh, Rambo. And we see how, how she gets into Westfield. Um, which again brings us to another character that we we kind of know and love from the films, which is Agent Jimmy Woo of the FBI. Which yeah, I, oh, it was such a joy to see that oh, character God. again. Like you know, I can't I can't look at his face without smiling. Like um, you know, <laughs> he's just a treat to watch in the Ant Man movies, and um, you know, just uh, they they managed to bring in you know 
um, some supporting characters that I really, really like that yeah. bring a lot of humor and warmth to, you know, uh, whichever films they happen to pop up in, or in this case, TV series. Mm. Um, and yeah, he's he's one I was really happy to see. Um, and he's he the could. one who basically brings Monica into uh, into this WandaVision world that she, or brings Monica rather. Um, and uh, basically, you know, in, gets her into Westview um, yeah. inadvertently. Uh, but before we before we even talk about him, I wanted to briefly talk about another character that um, that brings her back into the fray, which is um, the new acting head of Sword, um, okay. Tyler Hayward, right, um, right? Who is a character who, as far as I can tell, we haven't been introduced to in the comics, unless you know, unless he's somebody who you know potentially has another identity or something but um yeah. he is you know he, basically the one who reintroduces monica to sword uh who explains you know that her mother has wanted her terrestrially grounded so no space missions and you know is basically sort of taking the role that she probably would have had had she remained um you know on earth and not blipped uh, so that's a character that I kind of feel like I want to keep an eye on. Like, you know, we've, we, we're not sort of given any reason to think that he's, you know, a villain or, you know, uh, really a whole lot of idea of what his motives might be beyond just acting head of sword. But there are kind of like some little hints that I kind of thought, ooh, you know, I kind of want to keep my eye on this guy. Um, obviously, the title of sword itself has changed from sentient worlds to sentient weapons. And Monica makes a little comment about, you know, okay, so we're supposed to be observing and responding, not creating weapons, right? And, you know, doesn't really get like a clear answer from yeah. him. So, you know, I kind of feel like, oh, okay, maybe there's something fishy about this guy. I could turn out to be wrong, but, um, but I just wanted well, to sort of briefly mention him before we plow ahead into some of the more well-known characters like I mean, Jimmy Woe. Sorry you can kind of see how the world is already changing because of Thanos. Um, and, and, you know, they're probably much more aware of uh, the cosmic threats now. And it's not just a thing. Well, I mean, I, I guess they were kind of aware of that, aware of that after New York in, in the first Avengers movie um, after the battle, battle of New York. So I guess you know, it could be a sort of response to that. I didn't see him as, as kind of menacing or someone to be suspicious of in the like in a way where you think, oh, this guy might turn out to be a villain. He is very much a bureaucrat, I think, um, and you very much get that sense as he deals with Wu and... and uh, some of the other characters that we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but, yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I guess anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whenever, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it could be, it could be just my, like, little alarm bells triggering for, you know, because I'm suspicious of everyone, but, you know, whenever <laughs> there's a character who's, like, you know, uh, sort of a bureaucratic government type, you know, you always kind of have to keep an eye on them, uh, you know, in Marvel stories. Very true. 
very true. Um, but yeah, I guess time, time will tell, and it may not even be revealed in this in this series because you know that television world is going to be expanding pretty soon. Um, so then we, we're kind of we meet Wu. Uh, did you notice that uh, it being five years on, Wu has learned how to do the card trick that he spent a little bit of Ant Man too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Scott, which I, I loved. I loved that moment where he just flips out the the business card. It was just like perfect. It's such a nice. Yeah, see, like I love the little details they include in things like this, where it's like it's something that you know, um, if you're a fan, you know, if you're if you're mm. you know a fan who revels in details, you know, they give you that stuff. It was just. I, I'll tell you, it's it's really funny and serendipitous I, I just watched Ant-Man 2 apropos of nothing I just like oh like as, as I've been working on the website I've, I've kind of just been sticking on at least a movie or two a day um, because I like something going in the background that I don't have to sort of super focus on and uh, that was my movie of I think about two or three days before I watched this episode so <laughs> it was it was really nice to see Wu again so immediately and, and of course what is great about it is they're bringing back characters to make an impression and bring something to the films that they you know that is uniquely them um and randall park is a terrific actor and, and as shay's he's kind of just got one of those faces that you you kind of love to see i also watched funnily enough it reminded me that he did a movie called always be my maybe on netflix with Ali Wong and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. an extended cameo, shall we say, from Keanu Reeves, which I don't know if you've seen, but is... I have, actually. That was yeah. really great. I Yeah, and I forgot all about it until like you it. just mentioned it. But it was a, it was like, you know, just a really feel-good sort of little rom-com. Yeah. Uh, the Keanu Reeves stuff was hilarious. Yeah, I, and I just, I sat and watched that, and Steffi kind of went to me, why are you watching this? And I went... We watched this together. You remember this film? She was like, "Yeah, I hated it." But I quite enjoyed that, and and he was really cool in that. Um, you, sh- you guys should check that out on Netflix if if you uh, haven't seen it. Always be my maybe. Um, that's that's well worth watching. But yeah, we we get a very different woo, at least for me. Like. I thought the writers really did a good job of kind of giving you a sense of the passage of time that people had gone through because Wu is not the same kind of nervous, nerdy guy necessarily. I think he is at heart, but at least in his outward life, he isn't the same as he was back in Ant-Man 2. So you you, you get the sense this time around that he's, he's really kind of seen things and he's done things and you don't know what that, that, that kind of, you know, is all about yet, but he, he's a bit more composed and a bit more in control, a bit more confident. And I really like that. And I really like the yeah, idea. That you know, you, I think Marvel really has like a deft touch with their characterization. Mm. Um, you know, I think uh, like they, they obviously, you know, have loads of love for the character you know, because they give him all these, like, you know, all these moments that, you know, it's like nobody else in the franchise would have, you know, like just some of the little details, the little jokes, mm. you know, uh, which were all really funny. But you also, you know, you get the sense that, yeah, okay, 
you know, you feel the time that's passed for him. And it's like, yeah, in that world, you know, uh, that post blip world, he would have had to, you know, sort of change and, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, especially as a member of the FBI, you know, he, he would have had a lot to deal with and it shows. Yeah. And well, I mean, we don't even know if he, he himself wasn't blipped. We, we just don't know, but um, it was a great, kind of move for the characters to make and i love the fact that the writers took the time to kind of flesh him out a bit more and, and you know give us a, a, a lot more of a more confident character you know he behaved more like a, a proper fbi agent than right. he was in ant-man um you know he's not really trying to be everyone's buddy he's he's kind of you know i do have yeah, a, job, a job to do you know yeah. i mean he's, he's still his you know his same sort of goofy self but you know, he also is there mm. for a reason with a purpose. Um, yeah. There's mm. another character who also, you yes. know, uh, we we must address, um, who I feel like got really the same kind of treatment, um, you know, that you just described, where it's like, I, you know, immediately identifiable as this character that you know and love, who cracks all the jokes, who has all the funny moments, but obviously time has passed and has become a more mature version of themselves. Uh, yeah. And that's Darcy Lewis. Uh, one of the, you know, sort of real fan favorite characters um, who we, we haven't seen in quite a while, actually. Yeah. We haven't seen Darcy properly since 2013. Yeah, uh, for the Dark World, right? For the Dark World. So it's been a really quite a while. Um, and this is a character that people love. Um, and I wasn't sure if we'd ever really see her again because, you know, because of the direction that Thor Ragnarok took, I wasn't sure if we'd ever see Jane Foster again either. Um, which yeah. obviously is not going to be the case. And uh, and now I kind of highly suspect we'll see more of Darcy, you know, with Jane coming back in Thor Love and Thunder. Um, but it was just a real treat to see her. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's been, it's been like... a how many years now, um, you know, eight years or something uh, since we last mm. saw her properly. Uh, and, you know, she she has changed, but she hasn't. Like, you know, her, like, wisecracking and, you know, just her, her like, sassy personality hasn't changed, but she's, like, a proper astrophysicist. You know, mm. you get the idea, like, oh, this is, you know, instead of just being Jane's sidekick, she's, like, she's there, she's a doctor, she knows what she's doing, and you know, you immediately get that sense of credibility from her where you never really got it before. Yeah. And she's again, very much in control of what she's doing, very much able to kind of assert herself and get the things she wants done. Um, and very much a person who's maybe, you know, able to intuit more than the people around her. Um, and luckily we get an episode kind of focused on her and woo and, the team investigating what's going on on the outside because we, we do have to say we don't really go into Westfield in this episode so it, it was quite an interesting one for me because I feel that the audience feeling was that as much as they love the the sitcom setup they were getting kind of frustrated with it I think they were just just the right amount of time. Yeah. To to as you say, change gears and throw you in a totally different direction. You know, you had the three episodes to let that build, 
And this was like the first time it's like, oh, okay, this is a continuation of the movies. This is the first time it really feels like you're really set in that movie verse, um, mm. you know, that they've created, you know, everything about it, you know, just brought you back to what you get from the, you know, the films and what you see yeah. on the big screen. Um, so, you know, I think it was a very smart decision to just make it a total departure from the format that they've laid out in the first three episodes. And I don't know how you feel about this. I think that going forward now, we will be cutting back and forth, not episode at a time, but I, I think within each episode, I think we'll be going, you know, sort of sitcom, uh, sort that's, sitcom yeah. sort. That's yeah. my conjecture too, I would have to say, you know, um, and obviously now, you know, a, a lot of cards are now on the table that weren't before. So yeah. I think now they can, you know, they can do that um, and play with the format and throw you back and forth without it feeling really jarring and weird. Yeah, I think that's going to be great. And of course, we, you know, we've got this almost triumvirate building between Darcy um monica and woo in fact a mutual friend of ours dan hart was saying that he'd love to see an x-file style show that's those three characters going off investigating you know weird oh stuff my god wow that's amazing I'm, I'm there for that like i'm totally there for that um that that would be the coolest thing you know um but um yeah we're, we're kind of out outside of westfield this time Westview. And we're very much given an idea of how this is able to happen. You know, we have the two cops at the beginning who are claiming, oh, we don't, you know, there's there's no town called Westfield. Westview. Westview. Oh, sorry. you have to stop saying Westfield. I know, I keep saying <laughs> <laughs> You know, all those shopping trips we used to be able to take, Liz. <laughs> The joy of shopping centres <laughs> and not being trapped in your own house. You could actually spend time trapped in other buildings. It was great. <laughs> yeah, good times. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, the so cops, you know, when they're when they're point blank asked, um, where are you from? They they say Eastview. You know, yeah. they're like they're obviously um as they describe. So now why don't why don't we kind of set the scene a little bit? Um when Monica first comes back, she is tasked um, with investigating a uh, missing persons right. case. And I don't know. I I feel like we were not told who the missing person they're looking for actually is. Well, as like Wu kind of explains, it's not a missing person. It's the whole town. Like, right. The whole okay. Town vanished. And yet from their vantage point, they can see the town. Okay, yeah. So I didn't know if there was like a particular yeah. person they were looking for at first and then, you know, but okay, carry on. And the, and the cops are in fact standing next to a sign that says, welcome to Westview, you know, population 3000, whatever. Um, and yet deny any knowledge of its existence, no such town, um, you know, implying that it's been kind of taken out of, this reality like no one remembers it no one knows where it is even though it's right there so that that was an interesting thing um and of course we see 
uh, Monica send a sword drone into uh, Westview, which disappears straight away um, through this kind of weird force field that's there. Uh, and then she herself gets sucked in through right. the... Right. You know, when I first saw that happening, you know, I I kind of thought like, oh, okay, is there is there a possibility that she's able to do this because of her photon powers? Um, I think it's unlikely. I think I yeah. my, my take on her right now is that she does not have powers. Yeah, right I, I, I get that sense too. Right. But, you know, seeing her go through, you know, I mean, it is actually quite similar to powers that she does, in fact, have in the comics. Um, I think it's just kind of incidental because I think she just, you know, gets too close to the force field and Mm. slips inside and winds up there. Um, But, you know. It's interesting that she gets sucked in and then she's thrown out much later on. Um. Now, I don't know if we want to jump ahead to that or we want to kind of talk about this thing of, of them getting sucked in. When the drone went in, did you immediately kind of go, ah, that's the helicopter from... Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, what, yeah. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Like, it and, like I, you know, they make a comment about the fact that it's like, you know, it's turned into like a retro version of what mm. went in, which is exactly what happens to Monica slash Geraldine. Yeah. You know, she turns into a retro version of herself who you know doesn't really seem to know who she is like you know obviously everyone who is in there um their mind has been affected by the you mm. know the reality of the world and they they've forgotten who they really are um you know as as we come to find out when we start finding out identities of some of these people they're you know they have different names um to the oh. names they're assigned in the show actually that r- reminds me no of course there was actually a person they were looking for um, it's someone in the witness protection program. Yeah, it? that's I, okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Now that so implies we don't know who that is. Yeah, that implies to me that we we could be looking at a uh, sort of Marvel villain. Right. Um, exactly. And I, you know, I feel like they did they sort of assign that person a gender. I kind of feel like they assigned it a male gender, like you know, sort yeah. of. Um, so there is like so we'll we'll get into this. We'll go. We'll scratch the surface of this a little bit more, but. Currently, the three characters that we have no idea who their identities are, um, you know, in terms of what they found out about the people who were there um, Mm. and when they were describing, you know, everyone, you know, who they'd managed to figure out who they were from facial recognition, they very distinctly do not mention a couple of characters that we have had some suspicions about as we've been going along. So Dottie, Agnes, and Agnes's mysteriously missing husband Ralph. Right. Okay. Now they're, so they're we haven't some... seen. It's it's just a character that's been referred to, you know, numerous times. Um, you know, and they really keep hitting that on the head and and making jokes out of it. But at the same time, it's like, oh, okay, so who is this husband Ralph that we haven't mm. seen? Is he? Does he really exist? Is he the missing person? Um. We don't know. There, there was a little bit of internet speculation last week from the pregnancy episode that because of the way uh, Herb was holding the strimmer, the, the the hedge trimmer, that he was the reaper. And they were kind of doing panel um, side-by-side things to prove it. 
maybe. Okay, um, okay. We've already had yeah, the Grim uh, Reaper. That's that's a you know that's that's a character that um, theoretically, you know, a lot of people, I guess, are speculating could come into it. And yeah. so, is it Ralph? Is it Herb? We don't know. It seems unlikely that it's Herb if they've figured out his real life identity. Yeah, and um, we've we've already had. Um, the possibility that Dottie might be um, or another character, Clea, was it? Clea. Yeah. So, and then Agnes might be Agatha Harkness. But again, we just don't know yet because they're not really. We don't know yet. But I think, I mean, I, I would bet money on Agatha Harkness. Like, you know, the right. other ones, you know, it's it's all pretty speculative, but, you know. Um, so I looked up when I'm pretty married to the idea that that Agnes yeah. is Agatha. I looked up uh, the names of the characters they did identify and couldn't find anything sort of in the the sort of Marvel history. Uh, so as far as we can tell, they're all just kind of innocent bystanders yeah. who wound up there. Mm. Um, but yeah, as you say, haven't identified those other characters yet. So it'll be interesting to see if we do flip back and forth in and out of the the sort of um realities, realities yeah will we will uh darcy and, and Wu and rambo find out some answers there um and then of course we, we have this thing with the um guy in the cmb suit uh who goes underground and as Wu points out there's no reason to believe that that, that kind of um, force field does not extend underneath the town. And, of course, it does. And that was fascinating because you literally see him change. And, again, you, you're getting characters who are kind of retrofied and retrofitted by going through that force field. Um, and I, I just don't – I'm not fully buying that Wanda is doing that all on her, all on her own. We know that she's doing at least some things all around, yeah. you know, and we know that she is, um, I mean, I thought that well, one of the coolest moments of the whole episode for me is when you actually see Wanda go dark and use her powers on Geraldine slash Monica. Mm. Um, and you, you see, you know, oh yeah, the Scarlet Witch is really scary sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, she is, you know, as much as she's a hero in the comics, she's a villain. And, yeah. you know, it's the first time we see Wanda really in that light since uh, Age of Ultron um, and see how scary she can be if she is on the offensive. Um, and, you know, it was pretty chilling sort of to see that transformation happen when she thinks her world is threatened. Um, yeah, we've kind of seen her... Um go off before at the end of Age of Ultron, as you say, when uh, Pietro died. So it's not no surprise that, that, that um, Monica Rambeau's comment about Pietro w was kind of what enraged her this time, especially since, you know, she'd just given birth to twins and she was a twin. And, you know, there's kind of all that legacy stuff in imbued in that, really. Um but I don't. I I'm not sure that she's doing it all by herself. I I think she's kind of being pushed to do it, and I think there's someone in that town that's pushing her to do it. 
That would um, not surprise me at all. But you know, as far as like the actual sort of power behind it, um, yeah. I do I do think that's Wanda. But okay. I think you know, I think you're you're probably you know on the money when you say that you know she's had you know uh, she's been manipulated, um, and, and probably no, still being manipulated. Yeah, we've had characters before who's who have manipulated you know, non-powered characters who've manipulated others. I mean, particularly I'm thinking of one of my favourites, and I know yours as well, Zemo, um, who, who managed to to engineer quite a lot of destruction with a few well-chosen words and uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, a bit of digging into Hydra's history. So that wouldn't surprise me. Now, also we've seen that in the real world if we want to call it that the the darcy and, and all those guys are privy to those commercials as well that we're seeing. right yes um, um the episode itself is called um we interrupt this broadcast yeah. and uh and we you know which works on a number of levels you yeah. know obviously this episode itself is an interruption of the format so far but um we also see that the like you know show if you will is being interrupted by someone is it wanda um is it somebody else because you mm. know some of those key moments that we've seen from the other side you know like dotty breaking the glass in her hand are edited out essentially and sometimes a commercial is placed very awkwardly over a moment like that yeah and if so we who is, you know who is interrupting the feed who is censoring what's happening there is it wanda or is it someone else yeah, and the interesting thing about the adverts, as I think about them sort of one after the other, so we've had an advert for something Stark makes, we've had an advert for something that's Strucker, and something for Hydra. I and, are, you know, in a way, aren't they all people that potentially or have caused wonder harm? I mean, Stark, because, you know, lest we forget, it was a Stark missile that that kind of blew up their house way back when um, in Sokovia. Uh, Strucker was the man who recruited them for their, their mission. I, I mean, I struggle to think how Hydra kind of, beyond the fact they are, that Strucker was part of Hydra. Um, so that there is a kind of thing there that they're all people that have in some way harmed um wonder and and you know we never really saw a lot of interaction between wonder and tony so we never had a moment where as far as we know kind of you know all is forgiven so i i don't i don't wonder if she's kind of harboring some kind of residual uh, anger, yeah. yeah and grief at, at at, at Stark and the world that Stark has, has kind of made. Um, so there might be something there. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> but I certainly think it's there. It's, I mean, you know, it, it's all, you know, up for speculation at this point. But, you mm. know, yeah, I think that's worth noting. Um, that, you know, in, in fact, it might be Wanda's subconscious uh, creating these commercials of, you know, about 
things that, you know, obviously cause her underlying pain. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm keen to kind of see that play out. Uh, of course, we're interested about this. We did start a competition last week where we said, hey, if you think you've got the answer and you can figure out what's going on and who's causing this, hit us up in the comments. That competition is still running. Of course, you, you know, <laughs> what luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think uh, that. <laughs> they then, we've got uh, a good couple of weeks before, you know, yeah. we'll be able to see, you know, if anybody's theories are on the money, including ours. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to stick with it and say that, you know, the competition is still running. Uh, I will send you a free issue one comic. It's only a small competition. It's nothing major, but it's just a bit of fun. So just, you know, put put that down in the comments. If you can, if you think you've got it figured out, go ahead, stick it in the comments below. Um, and then we'll we'll contact you about um, your prize if you've, if you've won UK only, unfortunately, because... Uh, we, we can't send internationally, really, just in case it's anyone from the US or what, what have you, or Europe. But yeah, that, that competition will still run for another couple of weeks. So episode six, so you've got until midnight on the day that episode six airs to do that, because we figured by then we'll be into the kind of final stages. Um, and then we'll wait till the end of the series and see. Now, one of the interesting things that I found was that when we jump back to the point where Monica was spat out of uh, Westview, um, she's convinced that it is all wonder doing this. Um, now, I, I don't know if she's just basing that on that single kind of harmful yeah, encounter. Yeah. yeah, or if there's other evidence there that she's, been privy to that they haven't shown us yet so i mean I, i'm unsure i said like i said i still don't think it's wonder all by herself i um, would agree i think i think in large part it is but you know if we're kind of keeping with you know the kind of character that wanda is and with stuff that's happened in the comics i think it's very likely that you know she's being manipulated and that you know there's a part of her that is kind of quite willing to buy into the fantasy and want to protect it and mm. want to stay there because she's had so many terrible things happen to her that, you know, uh, wanting to curl up into this happy little fantasy life that she's created for herself, you know, it would be very tempting for her. And she mm. is, you know, one of the only beings in, you know, the universe, the Marvel universe, capable of turning that into a reality. And um, I'm kind of curious, though, as to, to why the sitcom format, you know, why that sort of milieu, you know, like well, I, I, I mean, I, to, to me, I mean, I could be wrong. It's just something that's like, you know, it's a it's a thing that people uh, watch for escapism, you know, and look at and say, oh, if only my life was, you know, just this you know, happy, warm place where, you know, nothing bad ever happens and, you know, everyone winds up happily after, you know, on the couch at the end of the episode and everything's great. You know, it's, it's, I think she's looking for that escapism from her very sort of, you know, grim I, reality post endgame. I can't imagine anyone feeling like that for any reason, Liz. What are you talking about? Why would we want to escape? <laughs> from this wonderful world we're in right now. <laughs> I can't imagine, Paul, but, you know. 
<laughs> I, I think that, you know, maybe that might be where Wanda's at. <laughs> now, uh, we have to talk about what is probably the most shocking moment in the whole show. Um, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's the moment where she she flashes on Vision in the this clip from last week's episode. Uh, only he isn't the Vision that we saw in last week's episode. He's the kind of hollow-eyed hole in the head. That was genuinely creepy. Oh, it was chilling. Yeah, it was very chilling. And like, yeah. you know, and like that whole scene was, was quite chilling, I thought. Mm. You know, you see Wanda, um, you know, with her full Scarlet Witch powers, which I love the way they represent the Scarlet Witch powers, you know. It's it, mm. it's so perfectly comic-y and you know, um I I just thought that was like, you know, oh yeah, yeah like, this is this is like really that, Wanda being Wanda. Yeah. Um with the glowing red sort of swirls out of her hands and mm. um and then you see, you know, you see that like the facade has like just cracked for a second for her, and that you know, the glimpse of you know what the reality underneath is is very chilling and very ugly and you know, and uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I thought that they did a great job with that because obviously, you and I and anybody watching, you know, all of a sudden kind of felt that, like, oh, you know, mm. you recoil from it, and uh, and within a second, you don't see it anymore, and neither does Wanda, but you also feel unsettled by it, and you can see that Vision himself feels unsettled by it. Yeah, and it, it's weird because you, you're temporarily reminded of the characters who we assumed wouldn't be coming back. You know, Vision, Black Widow, um, Loki. Um, yeah, Loki. Although, yeah, the ones who died basically Loki. real deaths. You know, yeah, non-blip deaths, non-snap deaths. It is interesting because it, it does remind me that you know, in comics, no one ever really dies. <laughs> As such, I mean, apart from the the very key ones, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents, Uncle Ben, um, but no, no one ever really dies in comics. Um, and it, it would have been interesting to see them kind of divert from that. But at the same time, we don't know that he isn't dead because he, as you say, he could just be a, a, a kind of um figment of her fantasy and her powers given you know quote unquote flesh um so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of curious because i mean vision i'm assuming if if there was a problem vision would be able to kind of fix that fairly quickly like his powers are quite significant and he, you know, he is one of the last good few characters. You know, lest we forget Age of Ultron, he picks up the hammer. Um, you know, and part of that is because, because he had just been created and therefore hadn't necessarily had the chance to have anything good or bad imprinted on him. He, he just was right. quite a pure, pure being. Um, so, um, I'd be curious to know if character-wise he is still that, if he does, in fact, exist still at all. You know, there's just... Yeah, there are a lot of questions. It's like, you know, and uh, it's questions that I've had since the beginning, you know, since they, since the show began. Um, 
And you still really don't really know. You still don't really know. Uh, is he, you know, what state is he in? And, mm. you know, same with the kids. Like, you know, I mean, uh, do the babies really exist? Are they real? Yeah. Is she just kind of manifesting her and Pietro in a way? Um, well, yeah. I mean, in the comics, basically, they are essentially kind of facsimiles of her and Pietro, yeah. their powers. Um, Billy has basically Wanda's powers and Tommy has basically Quicksilver's powers. Okay. So they're called Wiccan and Speed. Mm. And he's like a, you know, sorcerer and um, Tommy is a speedster. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to play that. And, and indeed, could it lead into Young Avengers? We don't know yet. Um we don't know a whole lot, really. We're, we're pretty useless this week, Liz. <laughs> well, you know, as many questions were answered, more were opened up. The can of worms yeah. is still wide open. I think the important thing is we've been given a time frame now, which could then give you motivation from certain individuals as to why this is happening and how this is happening. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think for a minute you know, we didn't really check back in with Wanda at the end of Endgame. Sure, she was there at the funeral for Tony, but it's not like we we kind of know there was any, you know, kind of um, comfort for her. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, see what would happen. And, and of course, some of the characters that she's closest to, Hawkeye, He's going to get his own series. That's coming up. But we don't know if that will bleed into this or if this will bleed into that. Um, you know, so where are the characters that are looking after Wonder? I wonder what, you know, I do wonder what's happened there. Yeah, I mean, they've all got their post-blip stuff to deal with. You know, if we're given a time frame of three weeks post the blip, like Clint would surely be like, you know, off on his farm with his family yeah. who had all gone poof and has his own stuff to deal with. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's been a short time, really, since everyone in the world, you know, who had gone with the snap were restored. Mm. So Wanda may have just gotten lost in the shuffle of that. And, you know, somebody may have just seen her as very vulnerable and, you know, obviously very powerful and somebody who, you know, if you snuck right in, at that moment when everyone else is distracted, like you could, you know, turn her into some very powerful weapon, which is, you know, potentially what she is being used at. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really keen to see, see what's going on now. Um, obviously we've gone over sort of the, the usual amount of time we, we do normally talk about this stuff. Is there anything you want to say more about this particular episode, Liz? Uh, no, I just thought it was, it was like, it was a total joy. Um, to see uh, characters like Darcy and Jimmy Woo mm. coming to it and to, you know, kind of meet Monica as Monica, um, you know, not as Geraldine and somebody who, you know, was obviously being sort of, you know, um, you know, mind wiped. And, uh, you know, so I thought this was like the first, you know, episode that really, really made it feel like this is like, this is the Marvel, you know, cinematic universe yeah. on screen. This is like, you know, this is what Disney Plus can do in between the films and and it looks like the films and it feels like the films and we see the faces from the film so i loved it i thought it was you know a great great episode and so, it's really uh, boding well for um the next series which is you know falcon and the winter soldier and 
and things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, my money is on. I, I wonder if we'll see Thunderbolt Ross at some point. I, that I would be cool. Of, I mean, you yeah. know, we've got, uh, yeah, because I mean, that's a that's a character I'd love to see again. Mm, um, um, and I don't know. I don't know if we'll get any more. We we are promised Evan Peters at some point. We don't know who he's going to play. We're assuming it's a version of Quicksilver. Um, there's, there's lots happening there. But as always, we will be here every week, every Saturday, uh, kind of uh, talking about our feelings on the show and, and the questions it raises. Um, so, yeah, please do join us. Please leave a comment down below if you like the show. Um, like, share, subscribe. Please do all that stuff because it helps us get out there and, and, and have people coming to watch and checking out the site, comiccrush.com. Before we go today, we are going to talk about another new show that started. That's a uh, comic book adaptation. This one, not from Marvel, from Dark Horse Comics. Um, and that's uh, Resident Alien, which I believe has just started on Sky in the UK, uh, Sci-Fi On Demand, uh, where you are, Liz, in the US. And um, I'm just going to talk briefly about it because... Back for our first episode, in the comments, um, a gentleman called Charles, who we have met before in the shop. We, we kind of do know him from um, from our days working in the comic shop together. He asked us if we were going to take a look at the comic of Resident Alien um, and then look at the show onwards. And, and I said to him, you know, in, in it, as I am, I'm always honest with our, our sort of commenters and and people who talk to us, um, it all depends on budget. Because in terms of how the site is run, you know, I go and I buy comics, and I, I try and find stuff within that batch of comics each week to talk about. I haven't brought comics in a, in a few weeks, partly because of the COVID restrictions going on in the UK at the moment, partly because of budget. Um, you know, we're always trying to find new patrons and things like that and get people to buy stuff from the web store, um, all of which you can do, guys. Uh, you can take a look at that now. There's links for it on the YouTube. Um, and, of course, you can find the website, comicrush.com. Um, and Charles very kindly donated the money for us to purchase the first Resident Alien trade, which was incredibly kind of him. Charles, thank you so much. I did that. We've got the trade. Took a look at it. It's a fantastic story. It's written by Peter Hogan, drawn by Steve Parkhouse. Peter Hogan, we know from the shop, I believe, Liz. We've met yeah. him once or twice. I mean, you, oh, you certainly yeah, know him very he's, well. He's a regular uh, mm. at the shop. And so it's really nice to see him getting this uh, getting this series. Yeah. Um, it, I, so just so as, as a disclaimer, so no, Paul has read the book and watched the first episode of the show. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the book. I haven't watched the first episode of the show yet. And I am looking forward to doing both. But for now, I'm just going to ask you a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, because I, you know, I, I know the basic premise and that's about it. Sure. So why don't you tell me about uh, a little bit about the book and then how you felt that translated to the show? Happy to. So as I said, written by Peter Hogan, drawn by Steve Parkhouse. Um, the art is fantastic in the book, by the way, um, as is the writing. Uh, very much kind of slightly Mignola-esque art by Steve Parkhouse. I, I really love his style. I've seen plenty of Steve's stuff over the years. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to recall particular titles because of my uh, 
my aging brain um, doesn't always function the way I want it to. But um, in watching, in, in looking at the comic, the comic is a very kind of straightforward whodunit, but seen through the eyes of this alien visitor who, when the story starts, has arrived on Earth with an undefined mission, but it looks like he's here to kind of observe human beings, and he's taken on the guise of a doctor called Dr. Vanderspiel, uh, and he lives just outside of a town, um, very remote, away from anyone, so he doesn't kind of get spotted. And he has an ability to kind of cloud people's minds so that they see the human version. But as he states, there are some people, like a very low number, who can maybe see him as he really is. Um, so in the comic, he he's taken on the guise of this doctor. He gets sort of sequestered by the local sheriff to come into town and take a look at a dead body um, who happens to be that town's doctor. Um, and because the coroner can't get to the town because it's quite remote, he kind of ends up performing the autopsy and, and then is persuaded by the mayor of the town. He was a sort of very aging kind of, um, almost kind of like a good old boy, I would say that, that sort of, you know, um, to take over as the town's doctor, which he does willingly. Um, and he begins to learn more about the townspeople and sort of fit in with the the kind of people of the town and continue to observe and observe and observe. Um, he's told that there's going to be a replacement doctor in like a week or two, and this guy never shows up. So the mayor kind of keeps shining him on and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe like a week or two. And he keeps kind of going through this process that he expects where he's going to have to eventually take the job on full time. But he has to pretend to be angry about it. And he's kind of willingly doing that. He's kind of falling into the sort of habits of human beings. He's kind of aware of the pitfalls and, and all this. Um, however, one of the nurses, who is a Native American, begins to... To, to notice that whenever she looks at him, her vision becomes blurred. So she kind of, she knows something's up and eventually kind of calls him on it. And of course he has to reveal that he is in fact not human. It's great. It's very straightforward. It's a, uh, it's really nicely told. It's wonderfully paced. Like I, I, I sat there and read it and just, I really enjoyed the comic. Like I, I would definitely say, go and pick this up, especially if you're, you're curious about the series Go and pick this up first. And it very much seems like the, the first episode was going to be a straight-up adaptation of that first book, which kind of always worries me a bit in in comic book adaptations because it's just like they they can speed through the story quite fast. You know, it only takes... If, you, if you've got a graphic novel that's like four issues, that's probably only going to take you about half an hour to an hour to read, depending on the pacing of the book. Um, and, you know, Resident Alien is these really nice big panels, beautifully drawn. The colours are wonderful. Like, I, I really enjoyed just sitting there kind of reading through it. Um, but then you get to the show. And 
right away the show takes a very different tack. So first of all, in the book, it seems like the alien has come of his own free will and he's chosen to land. I mean, you later find out that he, that there's been some sort of self-destruct device on his spaceship that he's triggered, but that hasn't quite worked fully. Um, here he crash lands and he he murders Dr. Vanderspiel. Like, okay. which is really strange because he, it, right away it's a, a completely hostile move. And I really was kind of scratching my head over like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of... Um, and as Charles pointed out, he said that there are things that the character does in the show, at least in the trailer, that he would never do in the book. So I'm going to talk a bit about... Why? Well, actually, I'm not going to because it to, to tell you why I might reveal something that I don't right. want to reveal. Okay. So he murders this guy. He becomes this guy, um, but he's very much kind of awkward outsider version of this guy. So he kind of moves really weirdly. He's obsessed with law and order because that's how we learnt the language. Um, he, he's got a strange accent. He, he kind of body movements are very sort of stiff and, you know, um, and he does what Alan Tudyk does brilliantly, which is kind of almost human puppetry. Do you know what I mean? Where he's kind of, you know, because Tudyk has done some suit work. Um, he, he, of course, was the uh, droid uh, in Rogue One. Um, and he, he's a great physical comedian as well. Yeah, I mean, I you know the big draw for me really uh, about this show uh, more than anything is Alan Tudyk. I just yeah. think he's you know he's hilarious and you know he's such a great versatile actor. Mm. And it, it just it is like the show is very much played for for laughs quite a lot of the time. It's got a really nice tone to it, really comedic. He begins to kind of fit into the town. He becomes the Doctor as as we expect, as with with the comic. However. He, it's very much played like Sherlock Holmes, you know, the Benedict Cumberbatch version. That's what it reminded me of. Okay. All was, right. You know, this character that, that says things that are completely out of tune with the environment and the situation that he's in and where his emotions are completely counter to the ones that you would expect a person to be feeling and displaying given the situations that he's in. Like when he gets offered the chance to do the autopsy on this guy who's been murdered, he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to do that <laughs> autopsy. This is going to be great." <laughs> and, and you know, the people were like looking at him, like, "This is our beloved town's doctor." <laughs> and there's some wonderfully awkward moments in it. Um, and, and there were some things where I was genuinely kind of howling with laughter at, at the way they're played. Um, there is also like a, a kid in the town who can see him as he is. And of course, every time this kid sees him, he freaks out. Um, and you do have all these sequences that you expect from kind of the alien visitor who attempts to integrate himself within society. Um, all those sequences, like he goes out and he gets drunk for the first time and dances. And the sequence where he dances is just amazing. Like it's, it's, been one of my favorite things to see of the year because he's again his physical movement is very stiff and yet you can see he's having a good time and you start having a good time 
And, you know, I've got to say, the show made me want to watch the next episode straight away. And it doesn't fully adapt that whole book, so that that was great. Um, and it plays the murders quite differently. So I'm kind of keen to see what they do with this next. They're bringing in a lot of stuff about the, the kind of surrounding characters as well. Uh, there's a, a brilliant um, sheriff um, uh, played by this huge guy who's uh, like he's a person of colour, but he insists... He wants everyone to call him Big Black, which, of course, no one is comfortable doing. Like, no one will call him that. Um, and there's these these wonderfully weird moments in it. Um, just just remember the beatbox scene and when you okay. see the show. All right. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I didn't get to watch this, so, uh, so when I yeah. do, I will keep my eyes peeled for that. It's great. But there's some, there's some fantastic stuff in it, like, I've got to say, I, I really enjoyed it. It doesn't give you the same pleasures, say, that One Division does. You're trying to solve the mystery, even though there is a mystery at its core. What it does do is instead give you the pleasure of watching someone else trying to solve the mystery and trying to fit in and integrate themselves into the kind of a society that it's one of the part of, really. And very specific reason why he doesn't want to be part of this society, which is a big twist at the end. Um, but uh, of course, I'm going to leave that for for people to kind of watch and figure out themselves. But yeah, for me, I, I'm going to be kind of tuning this in on. I think it's available on Now TV. It's definitely available on Sky. Um, do give it a look. Great show, Resident Alien. The comic is available from your local comic book shop. Personally, for me, that's Gosh Comics. You should take a look there and, and speak to them. Um, I'm sure they can mail order the first volume. I think it's actually available in much larger collections now rather than just single stories. You know, I'm sure Dark Horse have brought out some sort of edition ready for this. Um, the one I had was just the first first volume, though, but that was great. And again, thank you, Charles, for, for kind of donating the money that enabled us to, to read that because... I couldn't have, have had that pleasure otherwise, and uh, it really does count. If you want to help the Comic Crush out and help us keep going, um, you can DM or contact me or comment below, and I can contact you, and I can tell you how to kind of make a small donation, like one or two quid, that will just, just help keep the lights on. Um, obviously, the bills for the website are fairly significant, and the monthly cost of running it is high. So we'd love any help we can get. We don't want to resort to putting ads on the website or putting ads on any of the videos or podcasts or any of that. What we'd rather do is just be able to talk freely about the comics that we love and the TV shows and things that we, we're enjoying. Um, and one of the only ways we can do that is the Patreon and the web store. You can take a look at all that at thecomiccrush.com. Follow us at the Comic Crush on Twitter and Instagram. Find us on Facebook, we're there, and you will get regular updates about everything we've got, all the articles, videos, podcasts, it's all there. There's a whole wealth of stuff on the website right now. If you want to get in touch with Liz, at Liz C. Jordan on Twitter, um, I'm sure she'll uh, be on the YouTube at some point to answer some comments, we hope. So please, yeah, do shoot some questions on the comment section, all down below. Um, 
Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, coming back My pleasure as well, of course. (laughs) Any chance to talk about the MCU? This is... Mm -hmm. It's what I do, you know. I'm I'm in this room by myself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) hang out reading comics and thinking about the MCU. It is Liz's favourite subject, I can say, from the the decade that I've known her now. It's... Comics and uh, comic book movies are absolutely her favourite thing in the world. Um, well, that and MCR. But, um, <laughs> MCU, MCR. <laughs> it's, it was just an easy jump, right? Seamless. You weren't even thinking. <laughs> oh, that, that kind of reminds me of my favourite band. <laughs> Most things do. <laughs> Um, you can find our entire back catalogue, nearly, of all the podcasts that Liz and I did together when we worked um, uh, for that comic shop in London. Um, you can find all that stuff on the website as well. Just look for the Frame by Frame archive. It's all there. But, guys, we're going to leave you now because we've had enough, quite frankly. <laughs> Not just to be other. Mostly um, yeah so Liz thanks again and we'll catch you guys next time on The Crush see you next time here please like share and subscribe because it all helps us out and it's been a pleasure goodbye bye